Welcome to the In God She Trust podcast with your host, Kitri Cooper. And today I have somebody really awesome, really special, and just really filled with the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to be talking to Pep Waples. Am I pronouncing that last name correctly? Waples? Yep. Awesome. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, So Pep runs a ministry called Rooted Ministry, R-O-O-T-E-D. And it's an acronym that stands for Reaching Out, Offering Truth, and Eradicating Deception. The mission of Rooted Ministries is threefold. One, bringing a move of the Holy Ghost to this generation. Two, preach what he took for granted. And three, breaking the yoke of woke on this generation. He ministers to both adults and youth, bringing a message of truth, hope, and demonstration of God's love. Pep, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, man, this is an honor. I'm like, you know, when you sent me the message, I'm like, what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. It'd be fun. Yeah. I, you know, that it was something that was just kind of like, I, when I, so we met back in August of 2022 um, for mm-hmm. a camp meeting where I live and um, you just were very captivating to listen to. And I really loved your messages. And, um, you know, you kept saying that you have this, um, this direction from God to, to break the yoke of woke. And it just captured my attention. And I, I didn't exactly know what that meant. The more you spoke on it, I was like, Oh, this is something that this generation just needs. But you know, what's funny. I Brandy, I didn't know Brandy was your wife. Um, she, yeah, I did. So the first time I saw and met her was back in June when she came to my church for like a ladies event. All right. Uh-huh. And I kept leaning over to my friend and I was like, she reminds me so much of my Aunt Amy. And so I went up and I told her, I was like, you remind me of my Aunt Amy. She's like, wait, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I was like, no, <laughs> we're the two that are always in the corner just giggling our butts off and just making jokes mm-hmm. and just being like the two kind of crazy ones of the bunch or whatever. And then I met you and I di- it did not click until after camp meeting and you guys like uh, you posted something about your daughter. I was like, oh my gosh, they're married. I had no idea. I was like, That's yeah, so cool. she's a lot of fun. She makes ministry fun. You know, she just, she is a great personality, always laughing. And I love to hear her laugh. You can't miss her. You know, you know, when Brandy's in the building, when she's laughing and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it was great. And so I, I just think it's awesome that you, you know, you both are, you both are teachers, you both are preachers and like you both just follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you're in your intro, you're talking, I was talking about, you know, rooted. And so, you know, bringing a, a, a move of the Holy Ghost to this generation. So like, you know, and then preach what you took for granted and then breaking the yoke of woke. What, what does that look like on a daily basis with you? Like what, what does it look like when, when the Holy Spirit directs you into that? Well, it's been kind of an interesting ride because, uh, you know, briefly, I guess what I can say is, you know, there was a time when I walked away from the pulpit mm. and, uh, you know, I was in the ministry and ministering and a Wednesday night, I announced to the people that I was done and I walked away on a, from a Wednesday night service from the pulpit and I didn't step foot back in church for two years after that. Oh, wow. You did. And, it's not yeah. like you went to church on Sundays and still, you just completely walked away. 
completely walked away. Oh, wow. And, you know, I mean, I was still a Christian and I, my determination was, well, I'll just go work construction, make money and I can still give money to the, you know, I'll give to the church and let people do their thing, but I'm done. Yeah. And so there was a two year period where I walked away and didn't even step foot in church. Now I was still listening to messages and different people I was following. And it's funny because God was tugging in my heart the whole time. And there were things that were said that would make me mad. And I'm like, Mm. okay, I've got, you know, I know I've got to fix this, but it it makes me mad, you know? And so for two years, I didn't even go back to church. And it was probably six years before I was actually back into the ministry. Because after that two year period, you know, there was a time where I did step foot back in church. Uh, but then I didn't step foot back in church again for another three months after that because mm-hmm. God grabbed a hold of me in this service. And so it was, uh, so it was a, a long trek back. So in the coming back and trying to find my feet again, as far as ministry, I began to ask God, well, what am I supposed to do? Will you, what do you, you know, I don't even know what to preach. And that's when he told me, he said, you preach what you take for granted. Oh, yeah. And there was so much in that because you know how you can have something minister to your heart and uh, there's a flash of, you know, tons and tons of things. Kind of like how people say your life flashes before your eyes, you know, when you die or whatever. What yep. I, You can experience that in life, too. I mean, you can think of something and all of a sudden all these flashes of things will go before you. And that's what happened is when that phrase hit me that you preach what you took for granted, I remembered a lot of the services I was in where the Holy Spirit was moving in such a powerful way. Mm-hmm. And I realized that this generation has no idea what that looks like. Yeah. And so um, when I, when I decided to go back to the ministry, there's a whole series of events that took place, but the Lord put it on my heart to start having meetings outside of churches, mm. specifically in hotel ballrooms. And so now that's what I do is on a, on a regular basis. I'm, I go to outside venues through hopefully invitation. But most of the time, I just look to my heart and, okay, God, what city do you want me to go to? And so we will go and set up a hotel ballroom. In a hotel ballroom, we have worship, we have music, and you know we advertise, and whoever shows up, God ministers to whoever shows up, and wow. it's been powerful. Wow, and it, and it could be anyone, if they've like been to church or not, or if they've been to church their whole life, anyone is free to come? Exactly. Wow. That's it, and that's how we've been. And we don't, you know, uh, nobody we have people that see what we're doing and support the ministry that way, but we don't, we don't take up an offering every night, mm. you know, where we receive money from people. You know, we just go and do this because I believe it needs to come to this generation because as far as bringing move the Holy ghost, people don't even know what that looks like. And I actually wanted to change that title, right. but the Lord wouldn't let me because it sparks interest. Well, what is that? Well, now you have conversation. What does yeah. that look like? And so, uh, so then, you know, as far as preaching what I took for granted, that's, the word that I heard all my, you know, since 95, when I went to Bible school, uh, what I took for granted was the move of the Holy Spirit that I was involved in, mm. that God ministered to me. And then third thing, which actually happened later, I'd been probably nine months or so doing meetings. And I went down to Tulsa, not for my own meeting. I went for someone else's meeting. And while I was there, I'm watching, I'm sitting in this meeting and how now God begins to kind of whisper to my heart. I'm not going to say I like I heard this like this audible voice because I don't want things to sound, you know, outrageous because people don't understand that. I think that preachers do a disservice when they say, oh, the Lord spoke to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, well, how does that happen you know, yeah. for people? Right. You know, and for me, you know, well, it, here's a way to explain it is because the Holy Spirit, when you give your life to the Lord, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he resides within your own heart now. Yeah. So he can whisper things to you. 
like he's sitting next to you. And that's kind of what was happening to me. I'm sitting in the Navy Center in Tulsa and it holds around 9,000 people. And I'm watching this meeting going on. And the Lord ministered in my heart, I want you to wage a war on woke. Mm. And because of where I had been in the ministry, you know, saying no to everything, I just said, okay, I don't know what that looks like, but okay. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. You know, the only thing that crossed my mind at that point, what woke was, was the Black Lives Matter um, political movement, if you will. That was being called kind of a woke thing. If you didn't support it, you weren't woke. Right. Um, and then the other thing was the LGBTQ, um, I'm not going to say agenda, but motivations and push, I guess. Okay. You know, so, you know, pushing, pushing people to, you know, be accepting of, you know, that lifestyle completely, 100%. So those are the only two things I was familiar with, but I didn't know what that meant. Okay. When you talk about waging a war on woke, a lot of people will say, well, then you hate people. No, that's not, that's not what it is. It's not people that we're fighting against. You know, people are not the enemy. Right. Yeah, what's so, that verse that's like, um, you know, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but the principalities of the enemy. And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yep. And it's interesting because, so how the woke thing, that's kind of how it got started. But so I, I don't know how to kind of backtrack a little bit because there's part of my story that many people don't know. Um, so I get back, I'm two days back home now from this meeting and I get a phone call. And this phone call is from the, uh, a police department, actually the Mills Police Department in Casper, Wyoming. Casper, there's a subdivision, a little mini town called Mills. Mm-hmm. And it was the Mills Police Department. And I knew what this was about as soon as the phone rang. And to back, give you the backstory on that really quickly is that um, about 12 years ago, I tried to get a guy thrown in jail who is a known pedophile. Mm. and he, but nobody has ever done anything. And what prompted me to do that is, as I was at a wedding, he was there. Um, he grabbed one of my kids when I, when I was there. And I mean, it, it just set me over the top. And I, the reason it set me over the top is because I was one of his victims years ago. Oh wow! And so, so 11 years ago, I talked to three other victims and we tried, we went to the police department and in Wyoming, the statute, there is no statute of limitations on child sex crimes. So we were able to pursue this and had an investigator, you know, giving us direction and things. But then all of a sudden he just quit taking my phone calls. And I'm mm. like, I'm here. I am in another state trying to get this thing going. And my the phone call, they just quit. So anyway, I, we, that kind of got dropped. So for 11 years, that laid dormant. I didn't, nobody did anything about it. And I didn't know, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why it got dropped. I didn't, but I, there's nothing I could do anymore. I did everything I knew to do. And so here we are now, 11 years later, I am in my kitchen and I get a phone call from this police department. And this guy, he's a new detective, a different detective. And he says, I'm sitting here looking at this file and I'm wondering why it wasn't prosecuted. And I'm wondering if you want to go forward with it. Wow. Immediately on the inside of me. Now this is now, on the inside of me, I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. Mm. So all this stuff is running through my head because of all the 
junk that stirred up, not only for me, but the other three victims. Right. It's like rehashing and reliving it almost all over again. And it's, it's like just bringing up that traumatic incident constantly. It is. It's a whirlwind of emotions. And I mean, because as soon as he mentioned it, I mean, I'm wanting to cry, you know, but at the same time, at the same time, he's talking and I'm listening to his reasons why he wants to move forward. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do this. And the spirit of the Lord ministered, whispered so softly again into my heart what he had said to me two two days ago, two days prior to that. And he said, you told me you'd wage a war on woke. Mm. And so now I got a new perspective on what this looks like. And now I'm thrown right in the middle of what this actually is. And so in the process now, I have been studying and figuring out what this looks like and what it is. And it's so much bigger than what I first thought. I mean, the Black Lives Matter and the LGBT stuff is just the tip of the iceberg of what woke really is. And so, um, you know, I started looking at it and really what it boils down to is woke, even though it's a modern name, woke really is a spirit. And it's demonic in its origin. Um, It's it's destructive in its nature. Uh, It's it's horrible. And we see it, it. What really comes to mind is in Genesis three, which is funny because your last, you mentioned Genesis three in your last podcast yep. and uh, talking about what happened with Adam and Eve and what it, exactly what happened is, you know, the, this spirit basically tricked them into giving away their true identity, their true self. Yeah. And it, causing it, that separation. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so that's really what, woke is doing for our generation for this generation it's right. i i put a statistic the other day that i think it was 42 percent of the young people polled 42 percent of them struggle with their sexual identity and that see and, when i was a kid it was i mean may, you know a, a lot of people could argue oh well, it just wasn't as accepted you know because i grew up in the 90s and into the early 2000s you know i we never had that problem you know and I, you know, growing up, I never had to question my sexual identity. A lot of my, my friends never did. And so, you know, I, that's astounding to me because, um, I mean, when you're growing up, especially if you're a young kid, you know, and you don't know who you are, you don't know what's going on. You've got all of these different like chemicals and hormones floating around your body that you're trying to figure out. And then you're trying to figure out, you know, what your identity is that could, I mean, that just causes constant depression and anxiety. And like, we're seeing a huge spike also in depression and anxiety. And like what you said, it's like an identity thing. I, you know, my parents are like, what is going on? And I said, I think honestly, at the basis of it, we're like this world is going through an identity crisis because our identity is not rooted in truth. It's not rooted in God. And so we're not exactly sure what we should be rooted in. Exactly. And what happens when, when, when identity is gone, because this is what happened to Adam and Eve, you know, in the garden. Uh, so now it's the same pattern that's used to attack people, especially this young generation. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting that he's attacking this young generation because at that same meeting I was at, there was a minister there who gave a prophetic word. And one of the things he said was, is God has hidden something in this generation that's for such a time as this. Yes. So, and there's a scripture I'll bring out here in a little bit that, that we'll, we'll kind of talk about this because it's, it's, this is really the key. Even what you said yet uh, on your last podcast, you know, is that 
there's giftings inside of people. I'm not quoting you verbatim, but right. you know, there's, there's giftings in people that the enemy is trying to shut down. If he can't steal your salvation, he wants to shut down your purpose. Yep, absolutely. You know, and that's that's what the woke spirit, the woke agenda is doing. It's and I mean, it's an agenda of a spirit. Even though people, there are people who have given themselves over to this and are going with it. But there's two things that happens with the woke um, spirit. One, it destroys the identity of the individual who gives into it. Mm. So it puts you into thinking you are one thing when you're actually something else. Right. You yeah. know? And so that's why this whole, I wonder if I'm a boy or I wonder if I'm a girl. I mean, I, I mean, I hear people, you know, talk about this in disgust, you know, and, and kind of derade people. And to me, it's, it's, it's saddening. I mean, you know, on the outward, I could be, perceived as being one of those people who would say, you know, horrible things like that, but I'm not, this hurts my heart so much to see what happens. It hurts my heart to know that there are females who are cutting off body parts and males who are cutting off body parts because they've traded who they really are and who they've been made to be for a lie. Yeah. They've, they've they've made a a permanent, a permanent decision based on temporary emotions or temporary, um, you know, I don't want, I don't want it to come out harsh, but like confusion, you know, but that's what the devil mm-hmm. wants to do is he wants to confuse you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to, you know, like what he did with Adam and Eve is he wanted to take the truth and twist it and just cause a little bit of doubt in God. Cause if you can, if, if there's doubt and you constantly are, um, you know, meditating on that doubt, it, it blossoms and it grows into this, you know, huge thing that all of a sudden feels like you're just being swallowed up in. And I know a lot of people who say, well, if you don't accept me for this, you clearly hate me, you know, and I've had a lot of um, conversations, you know, you, you know, cause you mentioned, you know, black lives matter and the LGBTQ community. A lot of people feel like um, church people and Christians hate them. You know, they've been told it, Oh, you're right. going to hell. God hates you. This is wrong. You know um, you know, if you don't accept me, you clearly hate me. Um, you know, this is who I am. This is what I identify as, or, you know, what, you know, kind of whatever. And it's, it's like, no. And, and you know, as soon as you're like, Oh, well, I'm a Christian automatically they think, Oh, well you must hate me. And right. it's like, no, I, I disagree with this. And I'm going to tell you I disagree with this because I actually love you enough to tell you what the truth is instead of, um, you know, kind of going along with it. But I know a lot of Christians have come off unloving and judgmental, Mm -hmm. you know, and very, very um, legalistic. Yeah. it's, It's like you're pushing people away from God by telling them God hates them. Yeah. And another thing too that, drives people away and it's a phrase that I've heard and it bugged me then and it even bugs me more now and that is the phrase that um, God hates the sin but loves the sinner Mm. and I just I can't stand that expression it's just God loves the person yeah period yeah and they are trapped in fact I'm going to read this scripture if um, if we can here this scripture is um, it's in Second Timothy, because this is when right after I got back from that meeting in Tulsa, I had a, a what I a Holy Ghost meeting in a different spot, and um, this scripture 
these actually there's two scriptures that the Lord ministered to my heart. So I went and and I read them. I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is exactly what needs to be done when it comes to waging a war on woke. Because I I didn't know this at the time when I was preaching at this meeting. Um, there were two ladies that had come in, and I saw them come in, but it didn't register to me that they were together. And so I I you know found out later after the meeting that they were a couple. And here I am talking about all this stuff. Mm. And it's funny how the Holy Spirit led me into the scripture because you'd think after hearing it, they would, you know, they would leave. Get up and, and leave and be angry. Yeah. Get up and leave. Yeah. And it was amazing what God did and how God ministered to their hearts because not only did they stay through the entire meeting, they came back to the meeting the next night and brought like nine or 10 people with them. Wow. And so that's when I knew that this message in its delivery was correct, you know, cause it was, I delivered it in truth. I didn't deny scripture. I didn't deny, you know, any of that. It was a delivery method that was, it wasn't God hates the sin and loves the sinner. It wasn't that colloquial expression that is often said from the pulpit. I just can't stand it. I try, I walked through scripture and I said, this is how things are. This is what it is. And this is how it can be perceived. Right. And it was amazing. They, you know, now they didn't, walk from that meeting and decide not to be a couple. Right. But God ministered to their heart. It was incredible. So here's the scripture that God ministered to me. Um, let's see here. It's in Second Timothy, verse 23, and I'll read it in two different translations, but in the King James, or in the New King James, it says, Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Mm. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Yep. And a servant of the Lord. Now, this is what ministered to me about waging a war on woke. So here I am. The Lord says, I want you to wage a war on woke. And now this is speaking to me. And he says, and a servant of the Lord must not be, uh, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, mm. correcting those who are in opposition. So it's not that you can't say the truth. Right. It's got to be done in humility. Right. Correction can be done. Right. Correction can be done uh, to those who are in opposition. So correction is not a bad word. Right. And so it's it's the it's how you do it. And so you know you can do it with love, with patience, gentle, and with teaching all at the same time, yeah. according to the scripture. Correction will save so, your life. It will. It absolutely saved my life. And that's why I'm here today because of correction that was given to me. Yeah, same so here. Same here. Here in this uh, scripture, it says, then in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. And in reading that, I was reminded of myself. God granted me repentance. Yep. When I walked away from the pulpit and was two years not even in church, he granted me repentance because somebody corrected me. Yeah. And he granted me repentance. And I so that's the avenue that I come from when it's when I start talking about woke and even coming against that spirit. Right. So then he says, So that they may know the truth. Yes. So that's why we do it. And then in verse twenty six, and that they may come to their senses mm. and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Yeah, and see that's and I think that's a big um, separation that, um, you know, people who, who 
are not believers versus people who are believers don't quite understand is like when we are trying to speak the truth, um, you know, they think it, that we're, we're, we're coming against them. We're not coming against right. them. We're coming against the enemy that has ensnared their life. And like, you know, and it's, and, and it, it's not just, um, you know, the, it's not just LGBTQ or it's not just this. It's like any sin is the, is the ensnare of the devil. And so it's just right. like, you know, it's, it's kind of that, okay, this one, and I, I might be speaking out of turn here, but I also feel like sometimes, um, Christians or the big C church, they put certain sins that are bigger than others. And it's like, right. There are some that I think are taking over way more. Like now we see, you know, the whole witchcraft thing and the tarot cards. And so there are just sins that I think are just taking over like wildfire. And that's, you know, what kind of what you're talking about is like waging the war on woke or whatever. But it's like, no, like my, my sin and my sexual immorality that I, that I was in for, for 10 years is viewed the same in God because God is no respecter of persons. But I had somebody sit me down, like you were talking about, somebody corrected you. I had a pastor sit me down and he corrected me on it. And the thing was, it, it wasn't like, oh, you corrected me. This feels so good. Thank you. I'm going to immediately change my mind. I was mad. <laughs> I was so offended and I was so mad and I was like, he doesn't know what I've been through and he doesn't know my, but there's, there's a song I'm going to tweak the words because it, uh, there's curse words in it, but there's a song that says the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you mad. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of what it is. And it's like, I'm not coming against the person. We're not coming against the person. We're coming against the attacks of the enemy because the enemy is super cunning and he's very smart. And I know a lot of people hate it when I say that, but he is on how to, how to get people to do his work. And a lot of times we're just so blinded to it and I was blinded to it forever. And then finally my eyes were fully open and I was like, I can't believe I was a puppet for the enemy for over a decade, you know, but it's just like, um, you know, another thing that people say is, um, especially when it comes to, um, the LGBT thing. And I have dear friends who are in that community, but a big thing that people, that people say to them is, Oh, God accepts you exactly how you are. And that is not true. No, that's not true. He loves you where you are. Right. And I, I, like I've said in multiple podcasts, God loves you where you're at. And when, when he finds you where you're at, he's never going to leave you there. Right. You know, right. and it's like, we, we have to change the heart first and the heart has to hear the truth because if, you know, if, if we don't, um, and this, and this was my case too. I didn't actually love God. I knew Jesus, but I didn't love Jesus. And there's a big difference between knowing big. of Jesus and actually loving Jesus because you don't obey somebody you don't love. Right. And it kind of like with parents, you know, when we're infants, what do our parents do? The first, you know, few years we're, we're loved and we're secured when we cry, you know, you, you, they, our parents come to us and they held us and they, they, you know, made sure that we felt secure and safe and we, for years, like built up that love. And it was, it's only after, you know, we start growing out of the baby stage, you know, we're, um, you know, going from milk to meat and like substance foods and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, now I'm going to start teaching you the ways that you should go. I'm going to, and then we obey our parents because we know that there's love there. And there's that security in that love that like, no matter what, I love you, but I'm going to teach you the correct ways. And that's how God mm-hmm. wants to, to do everyone. But it seems like, yeah, it just seems like there's just a, a huge flood of 
people who are, um, I don't want to say pushing certain agendas, but it really feels like it is because like you said, if they can get the identity, they can get the person. Right. Because, you know, there's two things. I forgot to mention this. There's two things that happen with the woke. One is destroying the identity. Yep. And then when they take the person's identity, then it also uh, takes away their authority. You know, oh, so yeah. it, it's it's really, I didn't see this right away. Again, like I didn't know what woke was, but now you look at it. So now it takes them from the, the life that they're supposed to live and puts them in a false place where they have absolutely zero authority. That's why they become slaves. And that's why it's called a yoke of woke because the yoke is put on someone who serves another, you know, so the yoke is heavy, it's weighty, it's laborious. Um, and there comes a time when you don't even recognize that it's there anymore. You know, the longer you stay in that place, um, you don't even notice the weight of it anymore. Right. And so, you know, those are the things that happens with with what's going on with woke and, you know, people it's, and like you said, it's not, just, um, you know, I know we've, we've mentioned the LGBT stuff, but that it's not it. That's not just the, that's not the entirety of it. You know, oh. it's even in the church. The Lord actually showed me something too, when, uh, as far as waging out war and work, I, I hesitate mentioning things like this because people go, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, in my, in that meeting, I also, I would say saw something you might with my eyes wide open, but it was internally but when he said wage a war on woke, I saw this still image of Jesus in the temple and the table is being flipped over and things are flying off the table and, and he's raised his whip with the other hand. And it's a still picture, like as if somebody's drawing it, but it's in motion. And it, and it showed me that woke is in the church as well. Wow. And, you know, and so I, I haven't, I mean, I've seen little glimpses of that, but I haven't been able to actually see entirely where that's at. One of the ways I saw it is that in the church, woke will prey on people's desire to be a good person. You know, so they'll say, oh, you know, then you have to accept this lifestyle. For example, I know uh, there's a a person that um, years ago, and this was, this has been a while. So this is before the um, transgender stuff was really at the forefront. Uh, but this, this young person decided they wanted to be a a boy and their family went along with it. And this person, you know, identified or claimed to be a Christian. Um, now as a full on, if you looked at their picture, you'd never know that they were once a girl. And, you know, but the whole idea was the compassion that people had just said, Oh, I feel for you. And they, they abandoned the truth. And that's what the church has done. That's where woke, at least initially in the beginning is the woke in the church is abandoning the word of God for feeling and emotion. Right. And Cause our feelings are feeling, not fact. Right. We cannot live off of our feelings. I mean, oh my gosh, like I, even as an adult, I can go from feeling super happy one second to being super angry or super sad the next. And it, it influxes. And if so, if we, if we lead with our emotions, we're leading ourselves into destruction. Right. Right. And it's, it's, that's where, you know, you know, we mentioned earlier that sin, you know, varies from person to person. And actually how the the scripture says it is he that knows to do right and does not do it to him. It is sin. And Mm -hmm. so now if you look at woke, 
in the church, you've got uh, pastors in multiple denominations now that will refuse to address things like uh, sex outside of marriage, yes. living with some. Now, living with someone is no big deal, even yep. in a church. Yep. And you you have pastors that won't even touch it because they don't want people to leave their church. That is also sin. Absolutely. That also is woke in the yep. church. And that's, you know, it's really sad because, you know, as, as far as the responsibility of the leadership, man, they're going to, that's, that's a big, big deal. You've got to preach the truth or people become captives. And now you have to answer to God for what you didn't say. Especially because you are a leader in the church and you are supposed to be the shepherd for his flock. And, you know, instead of, you know, fighting the wolves off, you allowed the wolves in. And that was a big thing that I felt because, I mean, I was, when I was living with my past um, boyfriend, um, like people knew and only one person sat me down. Only one person sat me down and talked to me about it. And, um, yeah, I was mad at the person at, at mm-hmm. first who talked to me, but, um, later on, my, you know, and my, my boyfriend at the time was furious, absolutely furious. But, um, one thing that the pastor told him, um, cause I was very emotional in the meeting when we were being, you know, talked to or whatever. And, um, he was asking me, Cause like I would wear like a ring on my wedding finger. He's like, why do you wear a ring if you guys aren't married? And I was like, oh, we're practically mm-hmm. married. And like the pastor saw me get emotional when I was trying to defend why I wore a ring on that finger. And, mm-hmm. um, he looked at him and he said, you are destroying her by, by, by not wow. marrying her. He's like, wow. you, he, he said, you are actually destroying your relationship. The longer you wait, you are destroying the trust that she has for you. And, um, my boyfriend at the time looked at him right in the eye and said, you're wrong. She's fine. And then a a couple hours later, he asked me if it was true. And I said, actually, he's dead. Right. And, you know, and it was like, and after that, you know, we tried to do, you know, couples counseling and stuff. It was kind of like putting a bandaid on a massive wound and just let it fester, you know, but it was one of those things. But the whole time, like, I mean, my, my parents of course were like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You know, but you know, what a parents know, <laughs> right. you know, but only one person did, but it was that person who was bold enough and loved me enough to sit me down and tell me the truth. It, it was kind of then where I really started God feeling me smack me upside the head. Like, what are you doing? And it was that conversation ultimately that saved my life because I don't necessarily know if I didn't have that conversation, I would have probably still been in that same situation. And I would not be right. here today because one person loved me enough. He, he was a little strong in how he came across it, but he sure. loved me enough to sit me down and be like, this is not the truth. And the church does not do that enough. And that's like one thing that I feel like there's like a new, not necessarily denomination, but denomination called progressive Christianity, where you can live with with each other before you get married there. You can have sex before you get married. You can do whatever you want because, because God's grace covers it. And it is the biggest sham and it is the biggest spit in God's face because we are supposed to live differently. We're supposed to look differently and lead people to the truth. And if we're, if we are living in the world, then we are of the world and we are not of God. And it's like, that's kind of where I'm really passionate about is the, 
not sleeping together before marriage, living together thing. Cause I lived it and it nearly destroyed my purpose and the devil almost got me, you know? And it's like, all of this has got to be preached at the pulpit with love, of course, because regardless if it's, um, same sex couples or two heterosexual couples living together, it's, it's still that same ideology of, yeah, putting woke in the church and accepting of it. Yep. Right. And the thing about love, you mentioned, you know, you talk about love. Think about this, what love did in the temple. Now, Jesus is the expression of God's love, is he not? Absolutely. And so here he is. He walks through the temple, but what did love do? He flipped love. over the tables and whipped people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know that he whipped people, you know, or I mean, like, but or, he, you know, he got a whip out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he drove, he drove out the money changers. So mm-hmm. it was enough to bring terror. To yep. the people to drive them out, you know, whether they got hit by the whip or not, who knows? I don't, you know, I don't know. Could have been. Yeah. Uh, but we know there were animals in there too that, you know, so thinking about this, that love, and, and he didn't do it because he hated people. He saw what was destroying the people. Yeah. And he had to correct that, you know, so love speaks truth and love is corrective and love will not leave you the same because Jesus mm-hmm. said this. He said, I came to give life and that more abundantly. Yep. So here, you know, the whole idea of correction and the whole idea of, um, oh, that hurt my feelings or even as far as the whip, you know, it might shock people. Well, Jesus would never have done that. He never would have hit people. Doesn't say it. Doesn't, it doesn't say that he did. and doesn't say that he didn't. It does say, however, that he actually sat down and fashioned the whip. He put it together. Oh, <laughs> that's the interesting part. Wow, I, I honestly sat- don't remember that. I need to. Uh, yeah, but now, now that you mention it, it does say he fashioned the whip together. Yes. Wow. So it not so it wasn't just a knee jerk reaction right. of emotion that drove him in, in that temple. He thought about what he was going to do. He put together this whip, and then he went in. And he did what he, you know, of course he says he only did those things that he sees his father do. So, you know, we know that what he did, he saw the father do. So even how the father feels about certain things, we can see that in the response that Jesus did. So love will, that whole idea was to get, what Jesus did there was to give a complete change in direction for the people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and he didn't do that the rest of his life. It wasn't something he did every day. Right. It wasn't something he did for the rest of his ministry. We read about that one time. Yep. But I feel you like know? that's a really so, important passage of scripture, though, because a lot of times in today's, like you said, you know, the sometimes woke is in church, is um, we just paint a picture of an all-loving, almost hippie. Right. You know what I mean? And so, right. but people don't like that. Or I don't want to say people like in gen like to generalize, but for the most part, we don't like it when we read in the Bible that God has wrath and that God has anger and that He will and but His anger is always justified and usually it's not like you said it's not a knee jerk reaction. He He's thoughtful about it and a lot of times He gives us multiple choices to get it right and then His wrath is exercised. He's like, really, You, you you haven't gotten it yet. I mean, just look at all of Israel in the old Testament, but we don't like the idea of Jesus 
being angry and rebuking in that way. We like Jesus who is all loving, who sits with the sinners, who, I mean, he is all of love, but a lot of people just think love is rainbows, kittens, good feelings, all of this stuff. But sometimes love is doing and having those hard conversations. That's exactly it. And the thing to, I guess I want to bring out about the temple situation was the fact, where was it? It was in the temple, which you could look at as the modern day uh, church, if you will. So there weren't outsiders within that realm of correction. There weren't, you know, those were covenant people. You could say those were the Christians of the modern day. So his reaction towards the Christian of the modern day was the whip. (laughs) It didn't hurt. It didn't feel good, you know, and it has to change and it has to change right now. You know, um, how he dealt with, you know, people on the outside were, um, it was a little, it was a lot different. You know, the Bible says he healed all that came to him, Yeah. you know, so even how he, you know, how he corrected me, you know, there was a knee jerk thing. I wouldn't say knee jerk. I maybe rephrase that. I, there was a temple moment for me, mm-hmm. but then after that it was, okay, here's how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. And he walked me through. It was, it was amazing how he dealt with me you know, in, in those things, it was really simple. When I knew I was supposed to change direction after I'd walk away from the pulpit, when I started to come back, I literally walked in to my shop and it was such a disaster. And I'd never even seen it this way before, mm-hmm. but it was such a disaster. I had to walk over so many things to find a bare spot on the floor to get to the other side of the shop. Mm. And all of a sudden I realized this is my life. Wow. I mean, it's just, it was so amazing how God did that for me, yep. you know, cause I, I had a few days before that, a temple moment where there were some things that were said through this preaching that I was listening to that absolutely ticked me off. It literally uh, flipped over the tables in my life. It literally cracked the whip. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm walking around in my shop and I had the lights came on and I realized that my life was an absolute disaster. Mm. And I sat down on the, on this table that was there in complete exhaustion and I just went God I don't even know where to start and it was so sweet because on the inside of me he said it starts with the heart absolutely in other words in other words it had already started because the light came on I saw the mess and that sigh was okay I'll change but I don't know what to do yeah and so he said that and then I said, but God, I don't even know where to begin. And immediately, I mean, this all happened within just a matter of seconds. Yep. So then on the inside of me, three things came to mind. They were natural things that I could do to begin the process. It was, it was so simple. It wasn't a book of things I needed to change. Right. It wasn't a whole bunch of, it was three simple things that I knew I could go after. And that's where I started. And I think that's what, you know, people need to know too, when, if they're seeing something in this woke agenda, maybe they're recognizing something that they're, you know, participating in that they they're seeing, okay, this isn't quite right. Just know that it's not going to be a book of rules that you have to fix in your life. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, it might look like a book and there might actually be a book, but he doesn't give you the whole book. He gives you maybe three or four words out of a page. And then the next time it'll be a paragraph and then the next time it'll be a page or two, you know, and that's, 
that's how it worked with me. Even to this day, you know, and now I'm getting some things where, okay, I know I need to, you know, change this direction and do that. Yep. So I want to get, there's one more scripture I wanted to give here too, yeah. because I think people need to understand, you know, this, this idea about, you know, I know we're talking about waging a war on woke, but really it's, it's helping people to get new life. Yeah. You know, it's not to I, condemn, I, it's to give truth right. in life. It's to get the life that Jesus intended for them to have. Mm-hmm. That's what he said he came to do. He came to give us life and then that more abundantly. You know, because any any relationship, whether it's heterosexual or same-sex relationship, um, when it's not designed of God, which no same-sex marriage is designed of God or same-sex relationship is designed of God, it will rob the people participating of the life that Jesus intended. It absolutely robs them. And it puts that yoke and, and it goes back to the scripture in Second Timothy where they have they start doing the will of the enemy in their life. Knowingly or not or not, that's what's happening. And so anyway, in, in Colossians, this is Colossians one, um, I'm gonna read this out of the Passion translation, but starting in verse twenty five, it says, This is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant and a servant to his body so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. That's my job. Okay. So when I talk about waging a war on woke, again, it's not people. It's not people. It's the spirit. It's coming against the spirit that has enslaved people Mm -hmm. and taken them away from the life that Jesus wants them to have. And then it goes on. He says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's been revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the, is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us become, becomes a heavenly treasure of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it christ is our message we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of the truth it has become my inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with a tireless intensity in this power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in christ jesus it's bringing that hope there's a treasure of hope, you know, that's available to people, but there's a gift that God has given each individual, and that's what's being suppressed mm. when we get into this woke spirit. Right. There's a, there was like a, a the verse that said every, that he wants everyone to know it, and that completely goes right. against the spirit of people saying, you're going to hell. God doesn't love you. You're, you know, it's because if, if that was true, then he wouldn't want everyone to know it. He'd only give it to a select few. But the fact that exactly. he literally wants to give it to everyone, regardless of what you think, what you believe, what you're living in right now, he still wants you to know it. He wants to give you the opportunity in order to hear the truth and to set you free. And I don't know if I mentioned, I've mentioned it in a few podcasts back, but you know, when I was you know, like you said, it's a change of heart. When my heart started changing, it was terrifying for me to let go of the life I knew because that's all I knew. Right. And and it was like, I don't know who I am without this. I don't know right. what I am without this. And it's that is something that's super 
terrifying. And I just remember being so scared. And it, it, I just remember saying, you know, Lord, I don't like what you said. I don't know where to start. And, um, I was just, I was crying and I was an emotional and he gave me a vision in that moment where I was chained from head to toe. I had chains everywhere. I mean, they were just Mm -hmm. all out and they were just, they were, they're cemented into the floor. They were around my neck, Mm -hmm. around my wrists, around my waist. Like they were everywhere. And, um, Jesus was standing in front of me and he had his hand open. And I, I just kept screaming, I'm chained. Like I can't, like I can't grab your hand. And then I looked down and all of my chains were unlocked, but I was the one holding them on. Wow. And he just said, just let go. Because he's like, you're not chained. I unlocked them. Like I've already unlocked them. You just need to let go of them because I was holding them on myself. Cause it was that, um, sometimes when we are in chains for so long, they become comfortable. They become Absolutely. home. And what, and then when you, you actually look at, at actual freedom, sometimes freedom looks scarier than the chains because the chains is what you've known for so long. Right. And so that was like a huge moment for me when I looked down and all of them were unlocked, but I was the one keeping them on. And he said, just let go. And, and honestly, like when, when I grabbed Jesus's hand, I'd never, I'd never look back ever, but there was a lot of work that I had to do in order to understand that Jesus is not slavery. Jesus is freedom. God is not a dictator. Right. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, you know, you're saying break the yoke of woke. The yoke of woke is heavy. The yoke of this world is heavy, but it says my yoke is light. My burden is light. And because a lot of people think that Christ is just a set of rules. Like you said, like that book, um, it keeps them from actually going towards Christ, but it's actually Christ who actually has already unlocked the chains. And we just have to be brave enough to let go of our own chains and grab his hand because it is only with freedom in Christ is when we are actually free. And it is like the lies of the devil. It's the chains of, uh, chains of this world where we, we, put ourselves in chains or we fall for Satan and you know, he, he binds us and it's actually, you know, sometimes that gets comfortable, but then once you actually take the chains off and you go towards Jesus, you're the freest person you will ever be in, in your entire life. Yep. That's the amazing thing about the love of God. You know, I, I remember a while back I, I heard this story. I can't, I'm probably going to chop it up, but uh, there was a, um, a, a young guy who had been into it i actually used this story to you know realize that okay what you put out on video because one of the first videos i ever did i'm like oh this is so dumb why am i doing this mm-hmm. thought you know you know why i just oh this is so stupid no who's gonna watch it and then i heard this story about a young man who was um full on a transgender prostitute oh, and wow. he, prostitute? he sold him yeah he would sell he, he would he's a tra- he was a transgender he sold himself. He, you know, he was completely engulfed in this in this lifestyle. And I don't know where he was from. Um, maybe it was another country. I don't know. But he was he would prostitute himself to other men, um, cross dressing, transgender, um, but prostituting himself. Anyway, he came across. Wow. I don't remember the, the minister that he that he came. But on YouTube, he saw some minister, and he gave his heart to the Lord at that moment. Wow. You know, even though 
He didn't fully, but he understood the message. And the message is this, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the simplest form. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And so he, he got a hold of that. He gave his heart to the Lord. He began a relationship with Jesus. And in, from his own words, he said he was in that relate, he was in that lifestyle for another year. So, because again, it's those change. You don't know where to go. You've been so familiar with the life that you've been living. What, what next? Right. And the you know, sin and doesn't please. automatically change. A lot of people no. like to say, when you accept Jesus, you will just be free automatically. And it's almost like it's, it's too cookie cutter. Sometimes you find it Jesus is. and it takes a while for that heart to change because if the heart doesn't change, the behavior won't. Right. See, for me, when I gave my life to Jesus, I went home and I, I broke my bong. I dumped a bunch of marijuana down the toilet. I dumped a 30-year-old bottle of tequila down the toilet. I mean, it was a dramatic, drastic change wow. overnight. Yeah. You know, people, people are like, what happened to you? Well, for this guy, it was another year. Yeah. And then he was so afraid to tell the people within his community because he knew he'd be shunned. And so he kept living the life for a year. Well, then after a year, he just couldn't do it anymore. And he went home uh, to a small town. I think it was in Michigan. So he must not have been from another country. But anyway, so a small town in Michigan. And he talks about he went back and he told his mom. But all he had were the clothes that he normally would wear. They were all female clothing. And and so he went. He started going to a Bible study with a bunch of ladies. And, and they got a bunch of money together. And they bought him his first change of clothes that were according to his gender wow. you know the uh, male and he was excited but scared and so he began to slowly uh start transitioning back and he said it was probably another six months before he was fully you know recognizable as who he was prior to his um transformation before that wow. you know so it even you know talking about the chains and weights you know just People need to know, listen, no matter where you are in your life right now, you need to know Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. But Absolutely. in that relationship, he wants to lead you to life mm -hmm. and life abundantly. And you are going to have to trade some things to get that life. You're going to have to let go of some chains to get that life. You're going to have mm -hmm. to, you know, be bold enough to move away from those things you're familiar with to get that life. Yeah. And so, but people need to know. Jesus just wants to have that relationship. Yeah. He doesn't Start want there. to make you, you feel to... like you're bound to anything else. He wants to. Well, you no, know. he wants you completely free. And that, that's the amazing thing. Because see, going back to this story now with, and, and I don't know where we are with time, um, but uh, let, cut me off or let me know when we got to, you know, we got to stop because I did forget to bring the clock in. But um, going back to this, where this guy, uh, this uh, cop called me and wanted me to move on with this investigation. Mm -hmm. I did not want to do it. I mean, right. these chains of, I mean, they they wanted to keep me there. I, and so once I decided to move forward and the other victims agreed and we all did this, I mean, there was a major attack that happened for every one of us that, that moved on. Right. But since then, um, people are, are, are finding out that they're, because of what we did, we decided to let go. Other people now are, are being set free. Mm -hmm. We found out now there's now 12 people involved in this case. Wow. Victims have come forward. I, I got word of 30 other names that, you know, if I could get them to come forward, it would be great, but I, I, I can't. 
but here now there's now there's more people that know hey there's hope right. you know so even even where you are you have to know that your life matters mm-hmm. you know a person's life you might be afraid to make a step but you have giftings and callings and things on the inside of you that the enemy is absolutely keeping under wraps yeah. that somebody else needs absolutely because he can see what's in our future and he's terrified of it. Exactly. He's like, oh my gosh, if they actually find out who they are in Christ and they actually find out and get their authority back, my plan is dead. Yep. You know, and yep. so like in, in talking about, you know, cause like these are, these are hard things to talk about. These are hard things for people to hear, but the Lord gave me, um, the, <laughs> which is funny because I'm naturally a pe- a people pleaser but um, not too long ago, I was reading, he told me to read Ezekiel. And so I started reading and Ezekiel 2, 6 says, but you son of man, do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of their words, even though um, their briars and their thorns are beside you and, and you live among scorpions. Um, and then down hmm. in verse seven, it says, speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen for they are rebellious. Um, and you son of man, listen to what I tell you. Don't be rebellious like the rebellious house, open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. And it, it says later on, um, if you don't speak the words, they're still going to die of their sin, but you're going to be held responsible. And that right. is what God told me. He's like, you're going to be, you know, with the podcast, he's like, I'm going to tell you what to talk about. And if you don't, they're still going to die of their sin, but you're responsible because you didn't tell them what I told you to tell them. And there was one other scripture that I wanted to mention really briefly that um, I feel like really ties into kind of even though it's hard to hear and it might be, um, you know, the truth might make you mad at first, um, is second Timothy four, two through five. And, um, it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist fulfilling your ministry. So it's like we, we are called to correct, rebuke, and encourage with patience and teaching. And I think in the, the, the Passion Translation, it says preach the word, whether it's convenient or not. Yeah. And it's like a lot of times talking to people about not, not just like this type of stuff in general, but just Jesus in general, because, you know, um, he's not popular, <laughs> which the right. Bible says, um, you're there. They hated me. So they're going to hate you because they hate me. But it says in right in that verse, you're supposed to teach it regardless if it's convenient or not. Exactly. Because people deserve to hear the truth and everyone, he wants everyone to hear the truth and it doesn't matter where you're at. It might take you a, like that, like that man who prostituted himself. It might take him a year and a half in order to get there, but it's it's where the heart changes, and that's where God yeah. is going towards. He's going towards the heart. He's going towards changing that, and then the obedience might come afterwards. You know, because a lot of times I feel like people just want the obedience first, but the, and then the heart comes second. But mm-hmm. if you just try to do the behavior modification, you'll eventually kind of you'll see, you'll slide back. And I really yeah. like that. That's what, you know, you're going for. It's, it's not to hate on people. It's to love on people and to actually set them free from the chains that 
the world has put on them or, you know, that we've put on ourselves. Right. There's a, another, well, the same scripture I read it earlier in second Timothy um, two twenty five. but this is out of the passion. And I love how this talks about in verse 25, it says, then with meekness, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you. So you, so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. Mm. This will cause them to rediscover themselves and escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so that they, so that they would carry out his purpose. I love that about rediscovering themselves. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's why we do what we do. And I love that you're doing this podcast because anyone can hear it. Mm-hmm. And you, it might be like that guy that was watching that video and decides, you know what? I want that. Yeah. You know, there's somebody out there going to hear this. Maybe they're in that lifestyle. Maybe they're, you know, whatever it is, whatever they're doing, they know is wrong. Mm-hmm. And they need, they've come to this realization by listening to this podcast right now that I need to escape the snare of the devil and rediscover myself. Yeah. And that's, that's the hope. You know, when we, when we let go of our worldly identity and go to Christ, we actually become more of who we're supposed to be. Like we find yeah. our actual person. And that was another fear of mine was like, I don't know who I am without this. Like, I don't know who I am, but like in Christ, I'm like, I'm more confident in who I am now than I ever was. It's the abundant life. It's great. Absolutely. And every, <laughs> everyone gets that. And I, I know that might be mind boggling for some people cause it seems too easy, but it really yeah, is that easy. Yeah. You know, it, it, is, it is that easy. It's that easy. You know, the, the struggle is the change. Yeah. But even he made that uh, where he, he, he'll take that. He's already, he's already done that. That's what his blood was for. Mm-hmm. That's what his crucifixion was for is to take those from you and give you the life that he promised to give. Amen. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. That's just such a a good, powerful message to, I think to end on, unless you have anything else that, you know, that the Lord has impressed upon your heart to share. But I feel like this is, um, this is going to help maybe people start understanding that, um, God does not hate you. He, exactly. He does not hate no, you. No, I think you're right. He doesn't hate you. That, that The whole idea of all of this is to free people so they can rediscover themselves yeah. in Christ. Because yeah. it's, that's the life that he promised. He promised us a life. And if you're living anything else, it's, it's not fulfilling. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on. And just thank you for obeying the Lord and, you know, going after, the, you know, the, the spirit of woke and trying to, um, you know, give people the truth and to plant those seeds because, you know, we, we plant the seeds and then the Lord does the growing, the Lord does right. the rest. And I, I just think it's, it's important. And, you know, it, I've seen how you work with, with the youth and getting that seed. And then when they're young, it's, you make sure that, you know, that they are going to be freer when they're adults. And it's even for adults too. Maybe they have been bound. And I just think it's really amazing what you're doing. And I just really appreciate you coming on. Oh, it was my honor. Thank you so much for having me. It was such, this was a great conversation. I just loved it. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. And it, I just, I know the Holy Spirit was behind it because he's like, I'm tired of people thinking that I'm, I'm the heavy yoke when, in, when in fact, I'm the one that actually wants to bring it off. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. You bet. See oh, ya. Bye-bye.